You can set aside your notes. Um, I'm going to be talking on a different passage. I think we're supposed to see something different today. The Bible contains a lot of stories of supernatural events. These are events that cannot be explained by our logic or reason of the human mind. These events are beyond natural, supernatural, or supranatural. People today are fascinated by the supernatural. It permeates a lot of our culture, books, movies, video games, TV programs. We have animated films, and we have other movies that talk about and demonstrate unseen parts of the world. With a world obsessed with the supernatural, it's no wonder our culture is fascinated with biblical stories as well. The Bible records many accounts of the supernatural in the New Testament. We've been looking at the life of Jesus, supernatural acts by Jesus, signs and wonders, healings, even raisings of the dead. But Jesus is not on earth anymore, or is he? Didn't he die? Yes, he died. He was resurrected. Then he went up to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit down to indwell his believers, to live inside of us. The supernatural works that Jesus did while he was on earth continued through his followers as they were indwelt by his Holy Spirit. And I want us to look at a, an event in the book of Acts this morning. The main characters in this account are Peter and John and a lame man. And I want us to look at that and see what we can learn from this passage. I'm going to read from Acts 3. If you want to find it in the, in the Bible in front of you, I think it's on page 884. Acts 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 10 and 16. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man was crippled from birth, and he was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he, put, he was put there to, every day to beg. From those going into the temple courts, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know is made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through that him that has given this complete healing to him, as you all can see. It was three in the afternoon, Peter and John, being good devout Jews, were observing Jewish times of, of worship on the way to pray at the temple when 
something quite common as we see it also in, in American cities, a handicapped beggar, someone crippled by birth. Most often we see people at intersections likely asking for money of some sort because they have needs. This man was at the entrance to the temple because religious people would come by and what likely people would give more than religious people because giving to the poor and needy was part of earning their merit for God. So they would usually sit at the entrance to the temple. Who could pass by and ignore him and then go and pray in a clear conscience? This story is about a man in need. It's about a look of faith and God's power that transforms a life. Let's start with discover four principles, four principles of life changing faith. Number one, we all have needs. We all have needs. This man had a congenital difficulty centered in his feet. The original language of Greek, the word chloes, means lame with a paralysis in the base of the heels of his feet. Those of you in the medical profession could probably describe it in detail. His bones were not out of, were out of place, had been since birth, unable to walk. They had no way to correct it. They didn't know how to do that. This man had experienced nothing else for 40 years but being crippled. He was at the mercy of others. He knew nothing but that desperate situation that he existed with. And I think if we look around ourselves, maybe some of you today can identify with this need. Maybe it's a physical need. We have people here wrestling with heart circulation disease. We have people wrestling with cancer. It might be something, a paralysis of a different kind, fear, depression, abuse or unforgiveness, resentment. Maybe just paralyzed, not like this man physically, but paralyzed by the past, deeply wounded by marital unfaithfulness or divorce, maybe paralyzed by the present, something in your present circumstances paralyzes you. Might be a deep spiritual need, an inner longing for meaning in life. Some people are just paralyzed by the future. They don't know what's going to happen. And in your need, you are searching and helpless and powerless. This handicapped man in this passage represents for us the person each and every one of us is at certain times in our lives. Needs that we have, feeling helpless and powerless. The need has been part of our life so long we just kind of exist with it. Powerless. And what we think is a solution is not the solution. The second principle of faith, we all look to something or someone to fill that need. We look to someone or something to fill that need. What did this man think his solution was? What was this man there to receive? What was his hope or what was his goal? What was his expectation? Why was he at the temple gate? He was there to get money. He thought money was a solution. All this man knew was that in order to survive, he needed cash. So he went every day, day in and day out, to get alms, to get cash. There's nothing wrong with getting a little cash. People work for cash, they steal cash, they sell things for cash, 
They even gamble in an attempt to increase their cash. Cash or money solved some problems, but money did not solve this man's real problem, which was paralysis. This man's solution was not the solution. And as we sit in our paralyzed state, we think we know the solution. Someone once said, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. Very true. Our answer may be more money or shopping to get rid of the depression, escaping the pain by, by partying with friends or more counseling or comfort foods or alcohol, drugs. What is your greatest need today? And what is your solution to the need? What do you do or what do you think you need to do to stop the pain? Our solutions are not always the solution. Number three, in our need, God does four things. He does four things. When Peter and John came by, he asked them for money. Peter said, look at us. Look at us. God does the same thing in our needs. First of all, he gets our attention. Has God ever gotten your attention? How does God get our attention? How does he get our attention? Usually by circumstances that are bigger than we can handle. Bigger than we can handle. We don't need a natural solution. We need something supernatural. I need God's help. I need God. Peter got this man's attention. Then, then he redirects his focus. This man's focus was on the ordinary, the money, silver, and gold. And Peter says, I don't have any of that. I don't have money. I can't fulfill that expectation. Then he redirects his focus and says, but what I have, I give to you. Very dramatic. This man never expected the impossible. Walk, that was impossible. I've never walked for over 40 years. Peter redirected his focus from the natural to the supernatural, the possible to the impossible, from money to healing. And sometimes we need to have our focus redirected, that our solution is not the solution. God has a better plan for us. What are you focusing on as the solution to you? Maybe we need to redirect and find a different paradigm and have a shift. We say, God, show me the money. And God says, I've got something better. Peter did something else. He raises expectancy. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what? The simple, simplest definition of faith is look. Looking at God. I'm helpless. I can't do it. I have this great need. I'm not trying myself any longer. I look to someone else. What or who do I look for my solution? The man looked at Peter and John, and he redirected his attention to Jesus. Expectancy, expectancy is the essence of faith. Do you really expect answers to your prayer? Do you really expect something supernatural from God? Expectancy is the essence of faith. 
But the faith has to have an object to focus, and that object is Jesus. The supernatural things that Jesus did were passed on to his followers, to his, his spirit, his power and authority. He said, in the name of Jesus, representing the authority of Jesus. We believe that as Christians, God is the ultimate power of the universe. God is basically in charge. He's the boss. He's in charge. He created the universe. He can intervene and do whatever he wants to do in creation. God can do anything with his creation. Jesus, who was and is God, while on earth, had the authority to do what he pleased. He passed that authority onto his followers. Passed it on. When we say in the name of Jesus, and when Paul said in the name of Jesus, he was not invoking some magic formula or mantra or spell. He was acting with the authority and power of Jesus. And if we just grasp that fact that when we pray for somebody in the name of Jesus, we are exercising the authority given to us by God, the God of the universe. Power. The look was the look of faith, but it was faith in Jesus. Where is your look typically directed at? What's your faith focused on? Finally, in our need, God calls us to act on our faith. Acting on our faith. The lame man had friends or family that helped him every day. They carried him to the temple. And I, I assume they carried him home at the end of the day. But they had grown to accept this man's handicap as normal, inevitable, and insurmountable. They needed to just accept what was. Many of us are willing to help people this way, helping them learn to accept their paralysis. Why do we just say, just learn how to cope with this paralysis? Just accept the fact your marriage is over. You have cancer, the end is inevitable. Your kids are never going to come to faith, accept it. Learn to cope with depression, you'll have to live with it the rest of your life. Face it, you're never going to get out of debt. You'll be forever unemployed or unemployed. These friends helped him cope. And, and we do need to help people cope. But Peter and John helped this man see the possibility of healing, redirected his focus, and raised his expectancy. They acted in faith, reached out and touched the man, grasped his hand, helped him stand up. Then they called on him to act on his faith. And interesting, it says, as Peter was lifting him up, okay, this was an action by Peter, a response by the man. As Peter was lifting him up, he was healed. In every miracle, there's a point of action. Do we just help people cope or do we help people be healed? Do we help people cope or do we help people overcome? Peter exercised his faith. This man responded in faith. In verse 7 and 8, it says, taking him by the hand, he helped him up instantly. The man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk and went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. 
He didn't waste any time. Those of you who are here this morning are believers. God wants you to bring healing to those around you. Physical healing to those who are sick. Emotional healing to those who are distressed. Personal healing. Intrapersonal healing for relationships. Spiritual healing for those that need to know God. But it's more than just words, it's action. God's empowering Holy Spirit is the same today as it was in Acts 3. God wants to use us to bring healing, focus, expectancy, and action. We had a young couple, Charles and Jennifer, in our church in Lakewood, Washington, who were pregnant with their second child. Jennifer was almost full term. Earlier in the week, Jennifer had had a doctor's appointment. They discovered the baby was in a breech position, making it very, very difficult, if not impossible, to deliver normally. Jennifer was told if it didn't change, the doctor would have to perform a cesarean section. During our service, during worship, we had prayer time often. And Jennifer came forward for prayer. And Jane, who was the wife of one of our elders, laid hands on her stomach and prayed for her. While she was praying, something dramatic happened. The baby convulsed and moved. It was so dramatic that both Jane and Jennifer felt something dramatic happen. Jennifer had a doctor's appointment on Monday. Guess what? The baby was no longer in breech position. It was head down, ready to go. That's just one example of how God answered prayer to ordinary people. Ordinary people. God does miracles in the here and now. The fourth principle of faith is God's power is released through faith. Verse 16, it says, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. This power comes through Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not through some kind of a religious exercise. It's not something that we work up. It's not that we're just so good as a church or we're just so holy or whatever. It's through the person of Jesus. The primary faith we receive when we believe in Jesus becomes powerful faith so that nothing is impossible. The second Peter 1 4 says we are partakers of the divine nature. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians talks about the gifts of the Spirit. That's the character of Jesus transplanted in you and me. The power that was resident in Jesus is the power that resides in us. The purpose of that power is not to sit around and celebrate what we have, which we do but to be used to reach out and heal the paralyzed around us. And if you are here today with a need, the power of Jesus can take care 
of that need. How does that happen? Believe in Jesus. God is power. Faith is the wire. Our life is where it goes. Faith connects us to the conduit, to the pathway of the power of God, to the Holy Spirit in our life. I'm not sure who needed to hear this today. That's not what I was going to preach. But if you need to go back and read Acts 3, read Acts 3 today. And if you need that healing, ask for it. If you need to be the conduit of that healing, say, God, take me. Use me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us real-life example of the power in the, in the name of Jesus, which you've done. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that you would use us in the same way as a conduit of the power of Jesus. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stay.